Sin World has now filed for bankruptcy uh, to cut $5 billion in debt. It is a Chapter 11 reorg. That's so uh, explain to the people again what's a Chapter 11 reorg? Chapter 11 reorg is a type of bankruptcy where you're not necessarily going away. You're just restructuring and reorganizing your debt. But effectively, it's not full liquidation. It's restructuring. It's not full liquidation. And it is typically done in large corporations like this where the corporation can you know, shave off debt, in this case, $5 billion and continue to move on. But it really points to the fact that I think what's happening is that consumer discretionary spending is continuing to pull back, that streaming wars are getting more and more profound. And as Disney passes Netflix and some of the other things we've talked about in the past continue to happen, I think the attendance for the movies is going to change dramatically. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. It is the Higher Standard Podcast in its new official home, the studio. I am your co-host, Chris, a.k.a. the Leon Neeson of podcasting, a.k.a. the Jeff Goldblum of real estate. <laughs> and the guy laughing to my right is my wonderful co-host, the Fred Flintstone to my Barney Rubble. The Barry White. But a reason why I'm laughing is you saw what I sent you on Liam Neeson. I did. Why does he pee himself why, so much? Why what does is he that? have so much a drippage issue? I, is that like a real thing? I, it's all over. It, there's a whole lot of photos that to be photoshopped. It, they mentioned it on, on uh, Rogan. So it's got to be it's true. Not, it's true. It's, it's got to be true. Right? Is there, so there's a COVID warning and a pee your pants warning now. Exactly. Under, under yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to kick off the show, uh, I want to start with our usual non-arrogant way of starting the show. I want to talk about a prediction that we made that was absolutely right because we are geniuses and I'm the arrogant one and Captain Sultry over there. Level-headed. Level-headed, but also made the same prediction. Right. That prediction was that the bond markets and the treasury markets will start moving and put upward pressure on the 30-year mortgage rates, mm-hmm. which we saw. As a matter of fact, uh, housing market slows down as mortgage rates top 6% was the headline on CNBC. And for those of you who don't recall the previous shows where we talked about that, we said that the Single-family consumer conforming rate, which conforming just jumped above 700000 in the uh, state of California. Yep. Uh, and nationwide, I believe, as well. So, that. so yeah, it's a, it's a big number. Uh, but uh was going to spike to about 6% uh, from where it was. I think it ended on average around 5.8-something percent, but right. it increased up to but 6%. That, but that's how these things work, right? They go up, and then they slightly come down, and then they go exactly. up. Exactly. 
And the investor products around 7%. So a lot of people have asked me, where do you think mortgage rates, 30-year conforming products going to wind up by the end of the year? And I certainly think 6-7% is still the target. Yeah, I agree. Um, these things are now starting to get priced in, especially since the Fed has made it very, very clear. Uh, our boy Jay Powell has come out again and reiterated. I don't like that he keeps talking. Like, I understand the Fed wants to be communicative. Right. But now I feel like he's just rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, and what I think what's bothering him, why he keeps wanting to come out, is the market's not getting affected. <laughs> but it, it did move this week. It, it did. It, it, we got back from the holiday weekend. Labor Day holiday ended. Right. And then the market really started to take the, the recessionary economy seriously. No, but then it went up again today and people were talking about it. It's like, and he's probably- Did he go up today? I was looking yeah, in the studio all day he, long. He's probably, he's, pro- he's probably thinking to himself like, the fuck? Did you guys not hear what I said? What a fucked up day today I had. I, I was in the studio and someone was like, man, you, you missed a lot of shit today. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, uh, let's see, the queen died. Oh, um, yeah. There's a hurricane 25 miles off the coast of California. And the the market rallied back. I'm like, what the fuck happened today? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's probably why he's getting so upset. He keeps coming out like, what do I got to say for you guys to take this in? Well, he's clearly trying to give the market enough time to adjust to a 75 base point increase. Right. He's been very clear, very communicative. And every single person on Wall Street now is starting to bet that way in the market turned at least to some degree until until today mm-hmm. to, uh, to to recognize the long-term recessionary impacts at the same time we talked about regal's financial woes not too long ago yeah regal possibly rumored to have a bankruptcy and i think the time we talked about it being a possible chapter 11 which is a reorg right another big cinema chain sin world uh has now filed for bankruptcy uh to cut five billion dollars in debt it is a Chapter 11 reorg, but that entire segment. That's, so uh, explain to the people again, what's a Chapter 11 reorg? Chapter 11 reorg is a type of bankruptcy where you're not necessarily going away. You're just restructuring and reorganizing your debt. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of watering down a much right. broader legal interpretation, I, but, but effectively I, it's when, not When people hear bankruptcy, full liquidation. I, yeah, I think yeah. that's what they think, but yeah. It's restructuring. It's not full liquidation. Right. Uh, and it is typically done in large corporations like this, where the corporation can, you know, shave off debt, in this case, $5 billion, and continue to move on. But it really points to the fact that I think what's happening is that consumer discretionary spending is continuing to pull back, mm-hmm. that streaming wars are getting more and more profound. Yeah. And as Disney passes Netflix, and some of the other things we've talked about in the past continue to happen, I think the attendance for the movies is going to change dramatically. Which makes me so sad. Really? I don't think that doesn't make me sad. Really? The idea of going to the movie theaters with uh, the family, if that goes away, I mean, losing Blockbuster was hard enough for me. I used to love getting, you know, knowing that. I used to go with my dad too. Yeah. And, you know, just going around looking for movies and it was like a whole experience, right? Same thing with, you know, losing Toys R Us. Like now every time we pull up to Target to pick up something, the kids think, oh, we're getting toys. Like it's all in one spot now. Mm. So, you know, I didn't go to Toys R Us a whole lot as a kid. Did you ever go to like one of those, like not Blockbuster, but kind of like B level, like small, like rental movie places? No, no. You remember, I'd, there I'd was never one to those, 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 those triple X movie theaters that you're talking about. I've never been there. <laughs> it's called Corn. Yeah. No, okay. uh, I, uh, I'll never forget when I was a kid, my dad used to go around the corner. There was this random ass, like, this is the time when like Jean Claude Van Damme was a huge star. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But it was right next to the Sizzler. We'd go over there, and it was like this hole in the wall. It couldn't have been more than like maybe four or 500 square feet. Uh-huh. This guy just had movies, like VHS. Oh, that was a business back then. Oh, my God. It, he, he was crushing it. People would go yeah. movies, and there was games there and stuff. And right. Making the rent games. 
Times have changed, man. But I think the cinema, the, the movie business is going to change too. I just found out recently that a buddy of mine, Stan, said that, that he didn't go to movies unless he rented out the whole theater. I'm like, what? Like, also hard, bro. Yeah, and bro, he was stop like, flexing on me. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, dude, it, it's like $10 a person if you rent it out and you get like 30 people to go. Yeah. I mean, you tell him it's only 300 bucks. He's like, yeah, most theaters will rent you out like a theater to watch a movie that you want for like a couple hundred bucks. I mean, that's, that is a cool move. So he got his fans, his fans, his, his friends and family <laughs> together. I'm telling you, know, I'm, I'm feeling celebrity like. Yeah. Uh, he got his friends and family together, and they would they would routinely go see a movie together in a big theater like that. That's cool. But the old school experience where I go and sit next to some person I don't know, listening to other people, like I don't know that I want that. I mean, recliner chairs. I, I mean, was, it's sad. It's sad to say we. I, I made the executive call in our household where I don't want us to ever go see a movie opening weekend. Just out of out of fear of anything that anything could happen, mm. I don't even want to speak it into existence. But like that stuff freaks me out now. Being in those type of you know situations, I should man. The world has changed, but I hear you. So I mean, look, the movie theater industry is changing. A lot of the way we think about movies is changing too. I mean, you get streaming an option so quick after the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me to see all these things. But I think what it is is more than anything else is it's indicative of the fact that the landscape around the consumer spending is changing dramatically. Yeah. The way we spend money and the things we want to spend money on, not the same. I agree. If you're a consumer and you're pressed with inflation, 20%, let's call it 24% inflation, and your your money tight, your rent's just gone up by 30% in New York, mm-hmm. and you're going like, damn, do I go see a movie for 30 bucks with snacks and everything else, or do I pay for my $8 a month or whatever it is for Disney streaming, or $10 a month, Yeah, just wait for it to come out. And wait for it to come out. I think you wait for it to come out. Yeah. I mean, this, this concept... I think it was really made known to me a couple of years ago when um, I was really getting into watching Casey Neistat videos, right? And he and his brother uh, released a, a little series on HBO um, years back. And he asked his son, um, hey, son, so like now that my, my show is out, like this, I think this was his first big production, you know? Mm. And he asked his son, like, do your friends at school think you're really cool that your dad has his show on HBO? And he looked at his dad. He's like, "No, nobody knows that. No one watches TV anymore. They yeah. all they all watch YouTube. They all watch YouTube." That and then that was the light bulb for him, which he made the transition over and got so big on YouTube. And YouTube still crushes, man. It's the, the number two largest search engine in the world. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even we don't watch TV at home at all anymore. I mean, I won't watch it unless it's sports related if there's a game on. But outside of that, I won't. I don't watch any TV mm. unless it's with my kids yeah but you're also not a normal human being you don't have social media we cover this in depth i don't know times. man i feel like a lot of people now many, are like, many, we're many so times. we're so people are so busy now who has time to watch tv anymore man you, before we turn on the damn microphone mm-hmm. you were literally excited about the tv that was going to come so we could have like oh that's for the show notes man i'm tired of that's not the, dude, it was not for the show notes why are you lying <laughs> no. this, this hey, sultry give, image don't give, don't give that away, you portray don't give away our secrets man our wives are going to listen to this yeah <laughs> It's a podcast studio, but it's also a man cave. Yes, exactly. Can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, let's move on to a different topic that is somewhat related to consumer spending. So I saw this article and I instantly thought, okay, now does this get people to appreciate the reality of a recessionary economy? Mm -hmm. Amazon, to scale back delivery operations, will close or abandon plans for dozens of warehouses. Yeah. That's a lot. So I looked it up and you're talking millions of square footage. Right. They're they're scaling back from. And and some some people could easily, I guess, argue that this is 
the pandemic spending and everybody being at home, kind of pulling back and the stimmies are gone. But this is still a pullback. Yeah. This is still a significant pullback from where we were as a society. And by another business that's largely driven by analytics. Analytics. And proactively, mind you. Right. These are not people who are going like, let's just see what happens. Fuck it. Yeah. They've decided that these are not they things they want They see the trends, pursue. they see where it's going, and they know it's only going to get worse. So, Mind you, this is happening now. Mm-hmm. We're in September. Yeah. October, November, December. These They're walking into their, their biggest quarter. You're right, exactly. And yet, here we are, where they're, they're abandoning plans for, for scaled growth and operations. To me, that, that's, that's a big signal, not only for commercial real estate, but mm-hmm. also for what the consumer is spending and feeling. Right. The recession has landed. We are yeah. here. It might be declared housing recession and the National Bureau of Economic Research is always going to lag on, on, a, on a national recession. Mm-hmm. But the same way we called the housing recession by looking at real-time data yeah, instead of looking, looking and waiting for the lagging indicators to come out four to six months afterward. Exactly. I'm telling you, we have been in a recessionary economy since January 1 of mm-hmm. 2022. Yeah. You know, and it'll be interesting to see like now with Amazon pulling out like, you know, the big dog in the room, who else is going to follow? And what that does to the jobs report. Well, the jobs report really hasn't moved a whole lot. CPI next week. So, so for September is what I'm yeah. saying, right? September, October. I, I don't think, I think people have a warped idea of how quickly jobs move. It takes a long time for that number to move. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time for these lagging indicators to really pivot. You're talking half a year mm-hmm. before you see substantial changes. And to give you an idea, after recessions are over, it's not uncommon for those indicators to continue to move in the negative direction, even though we're outside of a recessionary economy. Yeah. Because again, people, and this is, the, this is the human phenomenon that trips me out the most. We as humans are slow to accept negative, but quick to accept positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we are not in a recession. We're not in a recession. And then you get two, two months of positive activity, GDP, and people are like, oh my God, the economy is prosperous again, baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, where I, I don't think people, this, I, I never understood this whole, like, oh, the labor market's strong. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not in a recessionary economy. Yeah. Things are good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, despite the fact that negative quarters of GDP, no one's talked about GDP growth recently. You heard that? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just been forgotten about. You know, I heard something the other day, and I don't know if it's true, and I should have uh, Benji Backer back on the show. He talks a lot about the environment. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me that, Global warming is not a talked about thing anymore. Mm, okay. And I was like, well, why is that? I don't understand. I said, well, because the studies that, that showed global warming mm-hmm. were manipulated to, sh- to cut off before and after certain cycles of warming, where if you go back a thousand years, yeah, there's a reoccurring trend of very hot periods of time for prolonged periods of time. Yeah. And I said, well, can you give me an example of what that means? I said, well, you know, like the Sahara used to be a jungle. Oh shit! Okay, so, yeah. So I mean, it's not necessarily because the world is getting hotter per se, as much as it is just these changes and fluctuations over time yeah, yeah. that have always been a part of history. Just we as humans have a hundred year perspective. Yeah. So you know, I I look at stuff like that and I think to myself, okay, well, what's the ramifications? Well, everyone's talking about climate change. Yeah, I mean, the we we talked about right that uh, inflation reduction act was largely an, an energy bill. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so then, I mean, I mean, they are trying to, you know, why why they're doing it is still beyond me. But um, you're right; the rhetoric is not there anymore. Well, the same rhetoric goes for the tax, uh, the tax relief, the uh, student loan relief that we're talking about. Right. That was a wartime 
yeah. or, or pandemic time or some kind of weird ass bill. Right. And I actually have some updates on that too. Um, for for the listeners, if they care to listen, I know you did. That's yeah, why I yeah, no, I know. I saw the segue. I, I just pro. I just don't call out the segues. I mean, I'm trying so to be professional good. here. I yeah. call out every yeah. goddamn yeah. segue. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for the segue. You're welcome. That's the first alley oop I've ever been able to dunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Short people so, jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't know because they can't they, see they, you online. They, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. You'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some updates for everyone is that if you paid your loans. Uh, you can still you can receive a refund uh, if you made payments after March thirteenth, twenty twenty, when the payments were initially frozen. Remember I told you that on a previous show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that that to me is insane. And that's on the Department of Education website. Um, federal loans that were funded by June thirtieth, twenty twenty two, are eligible to receive that forgiveness. Um, some loans that were questioned if they would be eligible or not. Uh, graduates loans for graduate school. Grad plus loans, parent plus loans are all eligible. Uh, student loans uh, that is forgiven will be tax free federally, but still ultimately up to the states. Which is a problem if you live in states like California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I, I am, we're in California right now as we record this, and we both live here and we both have no plans of moving, at least I think, right? Yeah. Not in the interim. But damn, this state's getting hard to live in. Yeah, I mean, as, as you get older and you start to look into these things more and more and you, you, you learn more and, and how the, it has rippling effects, it like really bothers you. So in the state of California, according to the LA Times, Californians may have to pay taxes on forgiven student loan debt. Right. There's a wonderful article which breaks this down, but to give you the highlights, federal and state tax laws generally classify any debts that are forgiven as income Unless the borrowers are bankrupt. Bankrupt. That's the carve out. But you can't bankrupt from student loan debt. Yeah. The irony there. The irony there. Yeah. Federal government added an exception in the 2021 American Rescue Plan Act that exempted student loans and parent loans forgiven by the end of 2025. Yeah. Which is the Relief Act. Right. California, however, did not change its tax law to conform with that provision. And that was done deliberately. Mm-hmm. They chose not to change and to make this a revenue generating thing for them. Right. Also fucked up. So the Franchise Tax Board isn't offering any clear guidance on the issue yet, telling borrowers, in essence, to stay tuned. So maybe there's some hope on the horizon. Yeah. To answer your question about whether the forgiveness of federal student loan debt announced last month will be taxable for California, we would need to know whether the U.S. Department of Education will administer the program under Section 1098E of Title 20 of the United States Code or use some other method, the board said. Mm. So long story short, they're all pointing fingers at one another. It's like that classic Spider-Man meme where everybody's yeah, pointing, everybody's at, pointing yeah, exactly. at everybody else. Here's what's going to happen. The first early people who get this, you're going to be taxed on it. Mm-hmm. And if there's enough outrage, that may change. But as of right now, you're going to get taxed on that gift. And in California, that's uh, a couple grand. Right. Um, so, and, and in order to receive this uh, relief, uh, you will need to apply for it. Uh, you know, the applications would be out. Uh, you would need to s- submit proof of income in order to qualify. Now, people who, it's assumed, it's still not clear, but... People who are already on income-based repayment plans will benefit from having their income already with uh, the department. So um, they may be automatically granted uh, that $10,000 relief, but you will need I to submit think, an application. Man, this is not this is not 
constitutional. Yeah, I know. But I, I still think the Republicans are going to challenge this. I think it goes to the Supreme Court. I don't think anybody actually sees it. The, I think the Republicans could challenge it, but it also, what kind of message does that send? You know? They have to be real strategic with their PR spin on it all because it's like, if they're trying to gain some of these voters on this side, well. I don't know if that was an intentional segue or not. Was it? Come on, man. Was it, that was I do that this. Was yeah, welcome. That was an intentional. Yes, it was. All right. Well, since you were so giving. You're welcome. Uh, the last show we talked to you about Bank of America's classic fuck up. Well, now they're out talking about how it wasn't so bad. They say they're saying Bank of America's new home loan program does not exclude any race, despite claims that say otherwise, where they themselves suggested they were focusing on, and I'm using their words, black and Latinos. Right. Terrible PR, terrible marketing. Yeah. So Bank of America said the claim is wrong. Borrowers do not have to be black or Hispanic to qualify for the loans. Any first-time home buyer can apply regardless of race. Right. So then why put out the pressure? What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. What are y'all doing? Look, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to do a good thing and benefit off of it, get some good PR, but goddamn, you fumbled this one. They fumbled that bag big time. Yeah. That, that, that was not a good look. And you can point the finger at anybody else you want, but if you put out a program saying, hey, look, we're interested in doing uh, 0% down loans for well-qualified individuals who meet certain requirements. Yeah. No one would have taken that rant, that article and said, they want African-Americans and they want Latinos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, by the way, Hispania does not exist. So Hispanic, I don't really know if that's a thing, but whatever. Anyway, that being said, they, they could have said it that way. They chose not to. This wasn't just the media going like, you know what? Let's make them sound racist. Right. I yeah. feel like that's a good way to go about this. Yeah, I don't know who approved that. It still baffles me, but. I know who did. Brian Moynihan, <laughs> CEO no, of Bank of made, America. I don't know if it made his desk. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure this press release talked about them not trying to be racist did make his desk. Right. But let's talk about somebody else who's a high profile CEO, which caught my eye because of the, the constant Twitter back and forth with Elon Musk. Yeah. I saw this today in a Fortune article, and it blew my mind. I did, I did not know about this. I don't think anybody knew about this. Right. So apparently, at some point in time, according to Bob Iger, says that Disney was, had abandoned Twitter's acquisition in 2016 after discovering a, quote, substantial, end quote, amount of bots. So apparently, Disney was looking at acquiring a social media network, yeah. and then... And then Twitter of all networks, and then yeah, exactly. What the and then they didn't discuss any of this stuff. I mean, wow, good for you, right? So here's a direct quote. I don't think that would have been the move for Disney, but it, I don't think it was the move for Disney. I mean, I, that, that seems like a terrible idea, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, uh, I, I guess yeah. Uh, at Vox's media code conference on Wednesday, Iger discussed Disney's efforts to acquire Twitter in 2016 and pointed at Twitter's bot spam accounts as one of the factors that led Disney to ultimately decide against moving forward with an acquisition. So, I mean, all from what we know, that they would be only privy to the information that they file with the SEC? No. I mean, if, if they would have gone farther down this path, yeah, or if they referenced something. So there's a number of legal problems with, with what Bobby here has done. Okay. So now he's made it clear that the Twitter may have been for sale. He had to have violated some NDA, right? I mean, it probably would have burned off by now, but I mean, yeah, he, I guarantee you as smart as he is, 
Yeah. He didn't violate anything. And okay. there's a reason why he did this. Okay. That being said, Twitter clearly has been set for sale for a long time. Yeah. Uh, at least six years, if not longer. I mean, based on this. And the, the bot problem has been a big problem for at least six years, if not longer. Right. And now there's a date down for all the attorneys in the Elon Musk saga. Yeah. To go back to and say, you guys fucking knew about this because other well-qualified, well-situated buyers have passed on you for the same reason. Right. So therein lies a whole other issue. And then I don't, I don't know if you know this, but there was uh, it wasn't in this article. I just happened to know the discovery process just got even messier. It didn't well, no, that that's that's yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. But yeah, they're definitely gonna Bob Bobby's (laughs) gonna have some subpoenas now, but and it's interesting that he would Inter- voluntarily interject himself into ongoing litigation like that. But man, there's got to be some kind of reason. But the interesting thing I've heard is that there's a lot of people at Twitter internally who have raised red flags. And really? The whistleblower that everybody's currently talking about is their their head of security there, who was a very well-regarded IT like security head who was concerned about a lot of other things. And I think he sounded an alarm. Some people have different perspectives on on how much he was really talking about spam and bot accounts and foreign actors. But what I will say is this, is it's very clear that company has been poorly run yeah, for a very, very long time. Yeah. And how long ago was it that uh, Jack Dorsey stepped down? I want to say it was a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. Wow. And yeah, and he, he moved out. So he was already focusing. He was co-CEO of Twitter and of uh, Square. Mm-hmm. And he apparently, quote, fell in love with cryptocurrency. Which, by the way, I wasn't going to bring this up. Uh-oh. I wasn't going to bring this up, but because I know how much you love crypto bros. Yeah. Have you been following the, the things going on in the NFTs? No, I haven't. So I was talking to a very famous artist earlier today. Okay. And I was not aware of how bad this had gotten. Okay. But apparently, uh, NFT volume has dropped off significantly. I mean, you say that like you're surprised. Like nine months ago, it was like over 400 million. Yeah. It's... The volume on OpenSea.io, which is like the eBay for NFTs, mm-hmm. is about five million now. Oh my god! It's like a ninety-nine percent drop off in volume. The the uh, board eight yacht clubs. Yep. Those the NFTs were really really famous for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I checked earlier today; they were down like more than fifty-three percent. Yeah, and I don't know. Did we talk about on this podcast how there was this whole thing going around? How that's just a complete troll. Oh, the racist thing? That, that's been proven. That's been categorically proven to be like overreaching. So if you watch the hour-long video, yeah. there's so many statements there that are, that are just overreaching. Like I, I got into it like deep because you know, like everybody right. else, it was sensational. I looked at there, There's so many large disconnects, and I think a lot of people from the art community have come out. And I think even Board 8 Yacht Club themselves came out with a statement against it. Like It, it, was, it was popular for about a week in time, and then it just kind of went away. It, oh, okay. it, it's, just, it's just so overreaching. And and it's so it, it's so overly complex in the analysis. Like, here's the way the truth works. Truth is usually pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So if, if it takes that level of kind of connecting the dots to make any kind of correlation, it's probably not, not true. true. Right. But month over month, NFTs are down uh, 90%. Ouch, man. That, I, I don't feel good about that. I mean, it, a lot of people invested a lot of money. I mean... So nine months ago, I think OpenSea.io had an over $13 billion valuation. Or are they or are they now? I have no idea what they're at now, but I can tell you if your revenue dropped from yeah. you know, four hundred some million a month to five million or whatever your revenue was off those numbers. I mean, it would be hard for me to ever get behind something and and invest in something that it's not, you know, tangible or I can like touch and feel. Well, I'll say this. 
the cryptocurrency bubble has clearly come and burst. Mm-hmm. And people said we were going into a crypto winter. And I think the love affair there has died off. Yeah. I think NFTs were likely fall out of that. Mm-hmm. And now with inflation and, and all the things that are happening in the economy, we think of the stock market as being like a rational market or trading is rational and logical, but it's not. Right. It's not any different. Be interesting to see how, how does someone like Gary V handle this, right? Because he made a lot of money. He takes his 90 plus million dollars on V friends but and those he rolls are, to yeah. the bank. No, I know. I know, obviously. But like... A lot of those those buyers were his own fan base. Yeah, but I mean, look is it is it a rug pull? I mean, you saying like he did he sell them? No, in, I don't think he did that intentionally. But it's also like, I mean, you're benefiting a lot off these people, and now a lot of people spend a different? lot of money. Okay, let, let, let me put it in a different perspective. If someone puts on a seminar, let's say I put on a seminar, I'm going to teach everyone how to get rich. That's the seminar, how to get rich. Yeah. And I, I Which have, a lot of people do this. I have a thousand people that show up. Yeah. Right. Each one of them is paying me a hundred bucks. I made a hundred grand off this one day. Yeah. Minus expenses and costs. Okay. Right. I'm crushing it. Mm-hmm. You guys come, you get a rah rah speech, you feel good about yourself. And then a couple months later, I, do, I highlight some successful attendees. hundred dollars, man, is completely different than no, hear me out. thousands of dollars. If a thousand people show up to this, there's just good mathematical odds that one person who goes to that mm-hmm. will be successful either before, during, or after their attendance. Yeah, exactly. And I can highlight them yeah. as being successful. Right. It doesn't ma- All I'm doing is gambling and playing the odds. Right. So for everyone to go, oh my God, man. Right. People were buying these NFTs as a networking tool, right? Right. But there's no difference. There's going to be some success stories of people who bought the NFTs. Mm-hmm. It might not be. And see, Gary V's got a lot of like, so you get to go to VCon and all this other stuff that he does as well. So maybe his success story isn't the value that you got in buying the NFT. Yeah. Maybe it's the networking and then you can highlight that you're a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. He's a bit different in that he's not necessarily, you know, teaching courses and stuff like that. But he, I, I don't know that he measures success now because he's got such corporate sponsorship behind him at this point in time like yeah. he, he's he has a huge marketing pr firm i mean he yeah he's, he's pulling business in, in other ways too but i don't think anyone looks at him as a rug pull i mean keep in mind so much of his content was motivational in nature so if people still feel motivated by it that's all that matters yeah but i do think that his, a little bit of his luster is worn off for sure you hear people talking about gary v like they once did for a while he was he was fucking everywhere yeah and i think that's died down a lot now well, I mean, I'm not on social media to know, but... See, rubbing in everybody's faces once again, huh? <laughs> soon, maybe soon. That's not true. Why do you keep lying? I mean, it's just not appropriate. <laughs> Let's talk about some actual things that people care about to listen to this show. So many people who listen to this show or in the real estate business or have a desire to purchase a piece of real estate mm-hmm. or just want to know about the economy and the looming housing recession. Ha, 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 we're already in one yeah. sucker. There was some great stuff that came out with Redfin. We've talked a lot about how we, we like them. Right. Um, Very forthcoming. San Francisco saw home prices fall 7% year over year during the four weeks ending September 4th. Mm-hmm. We know that San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles are very, very expensive areas relative to the median income we covered in the last show. Yep. But there's some interesting data that has come out. Now, as a primer, let's talk about some of the things that have kind of led us into this economy. Okay. We talked about how interest rates hit up to about 6%. Well, according to Redfin for the week ending September 8th, 
30-year mortgage rates rose to 5.89%, their highest level since November 2008. Yep. Not that unexpected. Fewer people search for, quote, homes for sale, end quote, on Google. Searches during the week ending September 3rd were down 25% from a year earlier. Who's doing that, though? Going on Google searching homes for sale? Well, actually, uh, in the last couple of months, prior to this, yeah, sell my home fast. Yeah, we talked about that. That right? that went up like, I can't remember, like 2,000% or something. Something out, something outrageous. So touring activity, people actually looking at houses uh, as of September 4th was down 38% from the start of the year compared to a 3% increase. The That's same a national number? Year. Yeah. Yeah. Nationally. That's a big down. So the logical question here is for anybody in the business is how much of this is housing recession and how much of this is just seasonal? Because first day of school for a lot of people recently, this week, I think for most people, and then you have... The winter kind of coming up upon us really quickly. Holidays, You've got right holidays coming around the corner. This is where you normally see a drop off in housing activity anyway. So right. how does this compare to the previous two years? I don't have the answer for the years prior to that because I just haven't had the time to do the research. But what I will tell you is, is that answer is shockingly different. So new listings of homes are down 17.5% year over year. Four-week rolling average of weekly new listings of homes for sale. Yeah. So the four-week rolling average down 17.5% when you compare it to, for example, 2020 and 2021. So you could argue that those are some interesting years to compare to, but I think certainly during the pandemic, there was a slowdown in 2020. Yeah. And if you were to look at this on a graph, there is a sizable disconnect to the previous years. So there is something definitely different about this economy that we've seen in the last couple of years yeah yeah and i mean we've touched on this and this is just now you know driving the point home that it's now fully become a buyer's market again and um if your realtor's not telling you that then get yourself a new realtor so homes sold in a median of 27 days that's the median of that's still pretty quick sold. It's relatively quick, but certainly not listing it on a Thursday, taking offers by, right, know, by right. Tuesday. 24% of pending sales under contract within one week. So only about 24, 25% happened in that first week. After that, you wind up with a medium of 27 days. So right. you can see how it's stretched out. Uh, there are some markets where I think it's moving faster. 35% of homes sold above list price. So... That means the majority, the overall right. majority were at list or below list. Right. And it's probably, that probably has to do with, you know, uh, appraisers just not, you know, appraising these homes at, at their list price. I don't think there's a huge amount of that in the market. I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't seen values coming in lower yet, significantly lower yet. Yeah. So you think people are just like accepting offers that are coming in lower than their list? I think there's been a little bit of... So if you were to look, think of this as like a sine wave where it goes up and it comes back down. Yeah. I think we are still at the top of the sine wave on the way, starting on the way down. We, we've decelerated and kind of started on the way down, but yeah. we haven't kind of moved down yet. Yeah. I think if you go by someone like, uh, let me think, uh, who's a good example? Like CoreLogic probably isn't the right one, but um, Goldman Sachs is probably the best one, I think, recently. They've been pretty harsh in the market. They think 2023 is going to be pretty harsh. Yeah. So you were to look at Goldman Sachs and you were to say, okay, um, they think this year is going to be flat and the next year is going to be decline. They're kind of following that same logic from a pro forma projection saying that 
you're going to really start to see home values decline in the next year. So they're really thinking, okay, as mortgage rates rise, right. The demand's going to start to creep down. This whole supply and demand argument is going to be proven invalid. And then if you want to use our big time quote that we always say, demand without affordability is not demand. And as affordability goes down because mortgage rates are now north of 6%, they believe that values are going to go down. And that's where I start, I think you start seeing those appraisals come back lower where the appraiser is going to say, look, no one, no one's just going to buy this right now. Right. That they're going to say that to you effectively with the price. Exactly. So I think that that's where that's going to happen. I think you start seeing that in Q1 2023. Yeah. Oh man, scary times ahead. Wow, that's what you got. We're in a new studio. You should be full of like energy and gassed up, ready to Man, go. Man, I can't. That's what I, 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 that's my what attention, I the studio is just grabbing my attention. I mean, put in a lot of hard work, more so you than me. No, but we it looks, put in a lot of hard work. It, uh, it looks great. I can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah. There's yeah. still some fine-tuning. Lot, lots of fine-tuning. Lots of fine-tuning, but uh, the, the model, the footprint is down. Yeah, it, it definitely feels weird. I, I think it sounds a lot better. I don't know about you guys as the audience listening to this, but I apologize. I know how so many of you liked the earthy, organic nature of people moving <laughs> trash cans in the background while we spoke from our, yeah. from the garage or uh, the last one. What the fuck was that sound on the last episode? Yeah, we still don't, we still haven't figured it out. I still haven't figured that out. Uh, there are a couple episodes where my wife's Tesla started like fanning in the middle of the show. We had to, we had to stop and re-record those. So it's definitely a worthwhile change. Yeah, but yeah. It's um, it doesn't feel feel normal yet. No, but it'll get there. We'll, spend, we'll make sure we have to, you know, build some chemistry in here, spend a lot of time in here. Build some chemistry? I thought you loved me. Yeah. No, no, with the, with the studio space. Yeah. We need, we, need, we need an excuse to come out here more often. <laughs> Bro, you're giving away all secrets to the wives. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Honey, you're going to the studio again? I listen to the lab podcast, motherfucker. I know what you guys are really doing <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah, exactly. not going to do that. Not going to get in trouble yet. Well, the housing market is taking a shit. Yeah. And I, I don't think I was anywhere near the volume of people. So I mean, if you're if you're looking to buy, right now's the time to just and you're in a position to hold off and wait, like we've been saying, continue to hold off and wait, and just continue to reassess. So now that we're at the back end of the show, and all the people who are going to judge us and who are going to leave negative comments or criticize have already left, and it's just us and you, and it's an intimate audience. Yeah. Uh oh. I wanted to get a little political. What? Yeah, I know. So it's not something we normally do. Can we talk about fast food workers and what's been happening? Oh yeah, man, we can. I got some information for you on that. That's a that Break was a, down, that was a, that was a decent segue. It, it was a decent yeah. segue. You're welcome. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. So um, I saw an article that came out, and it says here, your boy, Governor Gavin Newsom, not a fan. Signed a bill raising minimum wage to $22 an hour for workers at major fast food chains. This applies to chains with over 100 locations and will begin next year. Okay, so let's pause right there. Yeah. California is now interjecting themselves in mm-hmm. to, and it's not just fast food restaurants, but it's also quick dining, casual, anything with you know, chains that have that much. Yeah, so it's anyone in like the service-based industry, really. Right, 100 locations or more. But this bothers me. So let's say I am... I am somebody who owns a restaurant that I, I built. It's not a franchise. Yeah. And I've got 20 locations. Yeah. That's a pretty big restaurant chain. Absolutely. I'm not going to fall into this. But if I own two McDonald's or three McDonald's locations, mm-hmm. I'm going to fall into this. Yeah. I'm not saying these people shouldn't be paid. I think they should be paid. Yeah. But I think And this- we've mentioned, now we have mentioned that in order to keep people here in California, right? 
the labor force, they need to get paid more, right? Yeah, so it, that that it's this is a very slippery slope, and I don't like I don't like how how he's approached this, you know. Um, but some of these people need this to, just to survive too. There is that aspect of it. So let, let's remove the humanity from it. Let's talk about the entrepreneurship. Okay, because we are based on capitalism. <laughs> we are a capitalistic society. I think California is forgetting about capitalism, frankly. Yeah. As much as I, look, these people all deserve to get paid a decent wage. I have no problem with them raising the minimum wage. Right. We should do that statewide regardless of what industry right. you're in. Right. I don't understand why we're carving this out. The same way I don't understand why we're carving out student loans. Mm -hmm. Similarly situated people being treated differently. That shit bothers me. Bank of America. Right. That kind of stuff bothers me. Right. Here's my problem. Okay. What are these companies going to do to react? Because Auto now they get these kind of constant automated services. Automation services. It's exactly right. They've already tested it, I think. So in the article they mentioned, uh, they've already tested it with the drive-through services mm -hmm. that being automated, right? And it, it had. I went to a restaurant today. Had an eighty-five percent accuracy rate, which will probably be annoying for some people that go and use those services. But that's going to get there. It's only a matter of time. So right now, I went to a restaurant today. Touch screen. Nobody at the front. Weirded me out a little bit. But it was also nice to not have to explain my order to somebody. Yeah. We're going to get to a point where that's going to be kind really? of Siri-enabled, really? audio-enabled. You really want all those carbs, sir? Is that, is, that's what you're afraid of? Wait, you just ordered a chicken sandwich. <laughs> Why are you ordering two chicken strips, you fat yeah, bastard? Yeah, yeah, man. You know these are breaded, right? Yeah. yeah. You know you don't need to gain weight, right? <laughs> like, that's a double extra large shirt. judgy eyes, bro. That's, yeah. that's always tough. Yeah. Get your ass in the back and get my sandwiches and my chicken strips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on a bulk. <laughs> I'm on a bulk <laughs> for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I just can't gain weight, man, yeah. in the right places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in any event, we're going to get to a point where there's going to be uh, AI-enabled audio. You, I would like a you know, McDonald's Big Mac and fries. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a thing. You can it'll come up on the screen. It, I mean, that's not that far fetched. It's not that far fetched. It's not that far away. And what are these companies gonna do? They're gonna automate these things, and they're gonna do just what most of these restaurants did during the pandemic. They're gonna lean out on staff and focus more on takeout. Yeah. So the only other alternative is it's just gonna cost you the consumer more. California is not helping inflation. No. California is one of the highest tax states in the country. So much so that they have done so much of this that they have pushed people like Elon Musk out, Hollywood out. The California. Like, so what's the I agenda? The so what's the what's the agenda here? You know what's it's gotten so fucking liberal and left that it's just it, it's it's almost hearkening back to socialism. I, I don't want to be like so far into this where I piss people off, but at the yeah. same time, like you know, I'm arrogant, so yeah, it's so okay that you clearly already do piss people off. I know, yeah. obviously, but it's fine. I just don't like the idea that we're shitting on capital. There, there was there was this romantic, whimsical time where California was associated with Hollywood mm -hmm. and beautiful beaches and all these things. And now most people associate with high taxes yeah. and liberal policies that do weird. We have a homeless problem. A huge one, yeah. Homeless people everywhere in the state of California. It's only getting, it only got worse during the pandemic. Look, I get that you want to care about fast food workers. Increase the state minimum wage. Yeah. Don't just hit an industry. Don't do that. Don't just hit it. Right. So in January, past January, right? It was raised to $14 an hour for companies with 25 or fewer employees. Yeah. And $15 an hour for companies with 26. Now he's, now he's thinking, okay, that wasn't hard enough. Now let me attack the big boys. 
see, that, that's the thing I don't understand is like, okay, so I, I completely respected that. I never said a word about, I was, it was it's, it's a win for the worker. I have no right. problem with that. I think that if you're in the state of California, but here's the other thing too. Why don't you lower your fucking taxes? Yeah. You know, most people here are paying more tax than everywhere else. How can everybody, every other state in the, in the fucking country make this work? Right. And some people will argue, well, you know, if you go to Texas, their property taxes are higher, so they get the money out of you one way or the other. Fine. Right. But you're not exactly giving somebody a help. You know, okay, you want to help people? You really want to help people? Why are people still paying taxes on student loan debt forgiveness? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you guys championed this bill. It was a Democratic push. This is a whole Democratic thing. This state is largely Democratic. What, what are we doing? Yeah. It, it's just so controversial to see some of these decisions come down the way they come down and so frustrating to, to for people to think that this is a win solely because it impacts them yeah this is not a win long term you're going to wind up going to more restaurants with less people or more restaurants with higher food costs right and it's going to be specifically because of this not because it's a better experience for you yeah, anytime I see stuff like this, I'm always thinking like, okay, well, how how much longer until he needs to get reelected or he wants to push for a different type of position? Well, Gavin Newsom apparently is going to run for president. That's what I'm so that's what I was alluding to. Allegedly, it's him and DeSantis that are going to be the 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 two primary candidates. I don't know if I can see that happening, but probably. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, I don't know if I would consider either of those guys my leaders. <laughs> well, look, I I think we've gotten such a, a to a polar point in society that. That things that we're doing now, we're doing solely because it's political, not because it helps somebody. I don't know that I am a Republican or I'm a de- Democrat or I'm anything at this point in time. I think what I am is somebody who wants to see the right thing done. But I do believe in capitalism. I don't know if that makes me a terrible fucking person. I believe person. in that too. And, you know, I mean, this is no different than, you know, what bothers me. And I think we've spoken about it before is all the people out there that virtue signal too, you know. Acting a certain kind of ways, just just to persuade people, even though you don't truly believe that, or we know deep down inside you haven't always felt this way. I mean, it's it's hard to keep up to date with all these things. So, what's the right thing? Is the right thing actually these things that people are doing, or is the right thing that you that you don't treat similarly situated people differently? I think these things are wrong. I feel like the right thing is when you when you hear or see things like this. Try your best to not let it influence your your honest and true beliefs. Okay, but here's the problem. My honest and true beliefs is that capitalism is welcomed in this country. Yeah, I mean, it served the country very well. You, there, you should have an ability to raise up into the next class. And I certainly think as much as we're helping people maintain their lifestyle, you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't think that California was getting wealthy off of the taxes that it makes here. Oh yeah, and then and you're forcing out the people that the people that want taxes to continue to get raised. Listen, that's not hurting the people that are that are making no, a shit ton of not, money. Not at all. Yeah, we've talked about it. That tax code is written for them, right? And it's only hurting the people that they need that money that much more. And what I'll tell you is, is I don't know what the tax bracket situation is for most of them, but I would venture to guess that some of these fast food workers we bumped up into a higher tax bracket, and that nominal difference probably won't be that significant to them, right? After they get taxed in this state. Yeah. So I could go on at nauseum, but uh, this is not a politics show. This is an entrepreneurship show. Yeah. So let's let's end it on a positive note. Like we always try to. You're looking, <laughs> we do not always try yeah. to. You're looking very slender tonight. I was not asking for a compliment, but yeah. thank you. That was very kind of you. Yeah, I do yeah, feel yeah. very nice. After slender, all your hard work in the studio. Given that big chicken sandwich I ate for lunch, my dad had a chicken sandwich too. And I was like, well, at least I'm. 
Not as fat as he is. <laughs> he saw he saw the higher standard sign. And he's like, "What is that for?" <laughs> what, I'm well, like, do, yeah. not, "Do not pay attention." <laughs> like you know, you told me you listened to the show. He's like, "Yeah, I do." I'm like, oh, "Okay." Yeah, the 15 second was, clips. And then I tried to show him the podcast like cover. Yeah. He, he was like, "I don't get it." Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> technology's it. not his thing. Where's Saeed at? The good looking one. Oh, stop it. All right. The podcast to follow, Soy Crab. I don't know who you are. Oh. But I love you. Chris got a good review. <laughs> I love you so damn much, Soy Crab. Yeah. Chris has an extraordinary perspective on the economy and market. Yes, he does, Saeed. Yeah, he does. He does. Even though I worked in banking for a few years of my career, I've learned more about how the market works and why the economy is the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Soy Crab. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate soy crab. Shh, soy crab's not done. <laughs> soy crab so good. More. If you ever wondered how the upper echelon have such a touch on the world's pulse, Chris is the prime example. Wow. Not Saeed. Not Saeed. No, I'm fine with that. Because listen, soy crab, thank you so much for the, for the review. Because Chris was coming in salty. I was salty as fuck, <laughs> I needed this shit. Every day. I needed this. He's like, I need <laughs> I a need fucking this. review. I don't care who this was <laughs> yeah. or if somebody paid somebody on Fiverr to do this shit. Thank you. I needed it. I was, I was, yes, I was thank not you. good. Yeah, I needed it. <laughs> it's thank a good you guys. situation. Appreciate you. Y'all just saved Saeed's nah, life. Yeah, now go back to commenting about Saeed and how great he is. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> the next one. For Sultry Saeed and Chris to tell me it's just I'll uh, stop right there. Uh, yeah, sultry Saeed. The there you go. People referring to you as Sultry Saeed. I love is this. That, that will be that will be my uh, my Instagram handle name. <laughs> All right, kids, we are done for today. Uh, sultry Saeed and arrogant Chris. Yeah, we'll catch you next week. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.